0: Blessed Stanley Rother, pray for us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In this beautiful letter to the Ephesians, St. Paul bids his dear ones, I pray you not to faint at my tribulations for you, which are your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom all paternity in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the Holy Spirit, with might unto the inward man. In the weeks and months leading up to his martyrdom, On July 27, 1981, Father Stanley Rother corresponded with his family, with his bishop, and most importantly, with his own parishioners in Guatemala. When a year before, it came to his attention that he was number eight on the assassination list of the government troops, he acquiesced and returned to Oklahoma for his safety. He had grown up in Oklahoma. He was born in 1935. At the end of his high school years, after living a a regular ordinary life of of a Catholic farm boy, going to Catholic school and then coming home, bringing the cows in, milking the cows, separating the milk from the fat, eating dinner, praying the family rosary, and then going to bed, He surprised everyone by saying that he intended to go to the seminary. And so after six years of seminary studies, this ordinary farm boy was sent back to the farm. Although his high school studies hadn't prepared him well for the seminary, uh, the seminary didn't exactly um, hesitate to take advantage of all the skills that he had picked up as a young boy, employing him as gardener and doing all sorts of things that probably were a distraction from his studies. Needless to say, after failing enough Latin exams, he was was encouraged to go home. Undeterred, although still concerned that he had let down his archbishop, he was given another chance because he was still convinced that he had a vocation. And so his archbishop sent him to Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg. And it is there that he was ordained, or after studies, after completing studies in Emmitsburg, he was ordained back in Oklahoma in 1963. He worked in parish assignments for five years, and then in 1968 volunteered for the then brand new mission of the Catholic Church in Oklahoma to Guatemala. And so it was in Oklahoma where he sought a measure of safety, even though he knew that his heart was figuratively in Guatemala. After 12 years of working in the missions from 68 to 1980, he had become one of them. He would tell his Family and his bishop that a shepherd should not run at the first sign of trouble, and told his people back home in Guatemala that he would be with them for Holy Week. The significance of that hadn't really occurred to me until watching the documentary that the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City posted yesterday. Because, of course, Palm Sunday in a Catholic village doesn't mean a large mass. It means a procession of the entire village through all the streets of the town. And when, over the past or the prior 18 months, seven or eight priests had been murdered and two had been kidnapped in that region, and knowing that he was on the list to be assassinated... Father Stanley, who to his people was known as Padre Francisco, to those who spoke Spanish, to the indigenous Indians who spoke no Spanish, he was known as Padre Aplas. They knew that he was Christ, leading them through the streets of Jerusalem to his eventual death. And it only took two months for that to happen. He had already let them know that he was not going to be taken, kidnapped, alive. And he also encouraged his people by instructing them after they would learn of his death, they should light the Paschal candle and sing Easter songs. And so it was late in the night, actually early in the morning, when... Already for several weeks, he had been sleeping in a different room each night, having changed the locks, that one of his workers came to find him and said, Father, they have come for you. Those who found his body could see from the condition of his knuckles that he had in fact fought his attackers, and instead of kidnapping him, they shot him and killed him. Last December, the Holy Father declared that death a martyrdom. And yesterday, the Archbishop of Oklahoma City, along with a representative of the Holy See, beatified Stanley Rother. Certainly not the first American to have given up his life for the faith, but the first one added to the Roman martyrology. In the letters that he exchanged back and forth with those who knew him well, he acknowledged the operations of the different guerrilla groups that were foaming, fomenting civil war against the Guatemalan government. And he made it very clear that those who were hell-bent on conflict with the government, did not have his support, but his people enjoyed his support. This was the kind of missionary who did the basic work of evangelizing the faithful and encouraging them to come to Mass and to come to confession, all the while helping them clear land for their crops, establishing a school, establishing a radio station, like so many other missionaries have done from this country in Central America. When eventually his body was brought back to the United States, those people whom he had served and loved asked that his heart be buried in Guatemala. And so that was returned. There are two tombs then where he is venerated now as blessed Stanley Rother. In the 400 years that the church had been in that part of Guatemala, along the beautiful banks of a volcanic lake, there had been no vocations to the priesthood. Since his death, there have been nine men ordained, and there are currently seven men in the seminary from that little parish. St. Paul would want us to be encouraged by the sufferings and the tribulations that are offered up for our benefit, for our salvation. That is precisely why we look at the Holy Cross and say, Ave crux spas unica. It is only the cross that even gives us hope. It's the cross that encourages us to turn to the Lord in need and repentance, knowing that we can be forgiven. And it's the cross that likewise encourages us to be willing to lay down our lives. And so St. Paul teaches us not just by his words, but by his stripes. And we ask the Lord then to teach us through through the same words and the same sufferings. As we learn of those who suffer for the faith, as we suffer with them, we should be encouraged that there are those willing to suffer. That there are still those willing to be martyred. Our suffering and our martyrdom perhaps may be a function of being willing to lose uh, a reputation, to be willing to forego a promotion. Or, as every mom and dad knows from time to time, the willingness to be ridiculed by our children or our siblings or our neighbors. Feeling the, the sting of that when we have a good conscience can quickly turn into gratitude. Just as the apostles express gratitude of being deemed worthy to suffer for the sake of the name. And so whether that martyrdom comes Soon or late, whether it be obvious or hidden, St. Paul would have us be grateful and thankful. What takes place at this altar urges us To put our lives on this holy table, not just to be spectators at the sacrifice, but to participate, to lift up our hearts and our lips, to lift up our lives and our deaths to the glory of God the Father and the salvation of souls. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.